Welcome to the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, my guest is Ollie Blanco. She is someone who I met in 2020 via Instagram um, and was one of the people who sort of welcomed me into the poetry community that I did not know existed and then just like wrapped their loving poetic arms around me and kind of gave me the courage and the push to start actually saying, like speaking my poems out loud to people by hosting open mics and things on Instagram. And I'm not gonna lie, I owe a little bit of me being able to step out into the world as a poet to this wonderful woman. And she has this beautiful book <laughs> called <laughs> If Words Could Talk, full of her own beautiful poetry that you should definitely check out. Other than that, Ollie, who are you? Ooh, I am a cyclone of different personalities. Um, my daytime hat is mother and teacher. So that's my focus. I think that daytime hat has kind of been my main personality because the things you have to learn as a mom and as a teacher, like how to deal with other people kind of helps you deal with yourself you're kind mm -hmm. of forced to you're forced to work it out for yourself so that you can be there for other people um, my nighttime hat is um pseudo poetic writer and uh pseudo philosopher um i have a hobby that includes writing things in journals and then losing them and then finding them again and being like wow i really should look into that and then losing the journal and then um, talking about different books that I want to write. That's my hobby. I have, I have a lot of different notes apps open that just all have different story ideas that one day, one day I'm going to get that magic cup of coffee and just write it all down. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm big on family and creativity and art. So I, I, I'm a free promoter if there's an art thing. I'm there for it. I want to promote it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be in the background cheering for somebody. Um, I'm a cheerleader. I think that's my main role. <laughs> as a mom, I'm a cheerleader. As a teacher, I'm a cheerleader. As an artist, I'm a cheerleader. I'm a cheerleader. And I, I'm okay with it because you kind of have to cheer for yourself in order to cheer for others. Yeah. In the business of it. I really like... Um... First, what you said about being a mom and a teacher being that that main piece of your personality right now because you've had to, well, not had to learn, I had to learn, but it gave you the opportunity to learn how to take care of yourself and what you need because to care for others, you have to learn to care for yourself. And I think that is a beautiful sentiment. I would, as a mom, 100% agree, like... I probably learned way more from my kids than they ever learned from me. So <laughs> for sure. Um, I did not know you were a teacher. What do you teach? So I work in a charter school and I'm a K one teacher. So it's kind of everything, right? It's numbers and clouds and apple cycles and everything. Um, I love it. Kindergartners tell you everything they're thinking. If they don't like you, they don't sugarcoat it. I, I just love it. I'm a fan. We vibe because <laughs> I I need that directness. You know, I don't need, like with grownups, you don't know like what their ulterior motive is. You don't know what they're really feeling and how they're filtering what they're thinking. But with kids, they're just like, your socks are ugly. And you're like, ooh, thank you for your feedback. You know, <laughs> but um. But I appreciate, I, I appreciate honesty, like in the world, you it's hard to get like real honesty sometimes. And I just, I appreciate that. You're, um, you're not, I've spoken to another teacher on here recently and she had the same, the same thing to say about, um, kids in the early education, in the, in the primary that they 
they don't sugarcoat things, and that's why she likes them. Because if you want blunt honesty, like, the ages between, like, four and six or seven, that's, like, the prime time. Like, they don't Mm -hmm. even know, really, how to lie at that point in time, and they don't even care. Because, and I think one of the beautiful things about it is, like, they'll tell you you have ugly socks, but they won't do it to be mean. Like, when you grow up, right, people will intentionally say something mean to you because they want a reaction. When you're talking to little kids, they're just like, I don't like your socks. Mm -hmm. Like, you're cool, but your socks are gross. And... You're right. That is that is just a beautiful, like, the essence of childhood that they haven't learned to be deceptive yet. And, and, and they're natural poets. Like, they understand the abstract, and they don't try to conceptualize everything like we do, right? Like, my, one of my students was like, how old are you? And I was like, ooh, how old do you think I am? She's like, you look as young as a pig. Okay, yeah. <laughs> totes young as a pig i i i don't know how to i love it thank you like but as a grown-up your mind wants to like unpack that but as a child they're like you look as young as a pig and it makes sense yeah abstract i'm a fan (laughs) um yeah i was actually surprised i have a first grader and they're doing a poetry unit and there's a part of me just like oh god what kind of poems are going to come out of first graders I remember my poems from fourth grade and like there are some where I'm just like that's pretty impressive for a 10 year old <laughs> and there's some where I'm just like oh man I would like to bury that forever <laughs> no one can ever see it um but yeah that you make a good point that that abstract thinking and just the perspective that they have in the world it's, I think it, they see the world poetically, right? Because they have, they, they don't, they don't have to sugarcoat things because the world is still innocent to them for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. And as an adult, we have all of the stuff that weighs down on us. And so we look at, like, for me, I look at every situation of like, going through all the dangers that could be involved and the choices that I'm going to make and what the consequences of the choices are going to be. And my kid will just climb up to the top of whatever highest thing is and he'll be like, watch me. And I'm just like, please don't. Like we made a rule. You can't break another bone for three more years. And so when he climbs to really high things, I'm like, remember, you're not allowed to break any more bones because now right, right now we're averaging every three years. So I'm like, three more years, so you break another bone. So, um... Yeah. So what have you, okay. So I guess how long have you been a teacher? Um, I've been there since this is like my fourth year. Cause I started before COVID and then I got sent home during COVID. So this is like my fourth year there, but I used to own a preschool oh. um, a long time ago. Um, yeah, and I've been homeschooling my kids, so I've been in the game for a little while, but only now recently have I got, like, the official position and paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, because I think I come from a long family of teachers, and there are some te- there are some people who who are teachers by profession, and there are some people who are teachers by vocation. Mm. and like my mom is like what am I going to do when I retire like you're going to teach something because you are a teacher (laughs) like even if you don't have the title or whatever in a district that's who you are like that is like your entire being is made up of learning and educating others and first of all I also get that vibe from you (laughs) so that's super fair yeah um what do you think was like what what do you think was the thing that made you go you know what I want I want to educate young minds because if you had a preschool and you do k1 now you're in like the early childhood education portion of it and which are 
the most important developmental years for kids um but they're also really fun so what like do you remember what was the thing that you're like this is what I'm gonna do I do it started because my kids entered grade school so prior to that I wasn't really planning on getting into education but when my kids entered grade school I needed a I needed a safe place for them to learn and mm -hmm. at the time in our lives where we were in the safest place for them to learn was in like a homeschool type program and then they moved to this charter school and they had PE in the morning and for some reason there was like a sub mm -hmm. that was there for a while and he was like trying to teach PE and he was like 90 years old this old man like yay you for doing substitute teaching work but this poor guy was not cutting it in PE and so I was doing a drop-off I was dropping off my own kids and I'm I'm seeing this guy like hobble over to the PE and I was like this guy uh like go you but you can't run with the kids like physically so I kind of just said hey you know, I've seen PE happen before. How about if I run them around and you can just like supervise with your little whistle? And I did. So we ran around the chairs and the cones and we did the little high knees and we were doing all this stuff and it was so great. And then, so every PE time, every morning period of PE, I was just like showing up and I was like, okay, let's do it again today. Oh, what are we doing today? Oh, we're doing soccer balls today. And I was just always there. And then people started to notice, like, do you work here? Or are you just like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, you know, I just kind of volunteered during PE because Mr. Whatever can't run around the laps. And then um, from there, I started working in one of the other classrooms, which was a writing class. And these kids in this class were writing their stories and then publishing their stories online and then getting a book in the mail mm -hmm. of like their little collective stories. And it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. Like I didn't have that when I was little, some way to publish a book and get it a hardcover mailed to your house, you know? And I just loved it. And I just remember like walking around the classroom and kids were like, Miss A, Miss A, like just, and then we would be dividing between groups and this teacher would be in this group and I would have this group and they wanted to be on my team. Like, I want to be in her group and it would be fun and we'd be playing games and writing these wild stories. And I was like, dude, this is legit. Like, and then like the next semester, they created a position for me. So that just was a happy coincidence. But like, even if they didn't, like, this is how you want to spend your day, you know, like, we're writing together, everybody's happy, we're having our snacks, like, it's just fun. Like, of course, we're learning, of course, we're yeah. learning. But like, what a better way to learn than to experience and to play and to cooperate, you know, and to create, like, could I be a teacher where we're just sitting down and reading a textbook? Maybe if I had to, but that's not my vibe, you know, like, yeah. I'd rather I would rather take them on a walk around the grounds and look for hummingbirds or owl pellets or whatever. Like I just, so yeah, but that one semester of like being in the class and running around the chairs. And I was like, this is the best money I've ever made, you know, and this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. And even if they fired me, I'd still go through the district and come as a volunteer because I love it. That is, first of all, it gives me hope because there's so, I, I mean, like I said, I come from a long family of teachers. I have lots of friends who are teachers and there is a lot, there are a lot of teachers who are very burnt out and yeah. um, rightfully so because there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in our education system. Yes. But, um, hearing you and and your with your hope and your energy and your excitement still to teach it gives me hope for the future and i think 
it's also like you're the kind of teacher that kids are going to remember. So when they go to school and they're like, I want to be a teacher because I had this teacher in first grade who just instilled this love of learning in me. Because if there's one thing you can do for a kid is teach them how, not, not, not just how to learn, but teach them to love learning. Because if you can build a lifelong learner, like they will be able to do whatever they want to. Mm -hmm. And that's, that just makes me so happy. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to know since, since I met you in open mics on the internet, um, what, like, how did life change for you in 2020? And were those the open mics and stuff that you were doing, were those things that you were doing previous to that? Or was that a, we're all locked in our houses and we should reach out to the world sort of thing? That was definitely not something I was doing before. So for me, in my personal life, I am such a private person. Like, I don't do social media. I barely text back. Like, I am not trying to live on my phone. And I, like, make conscious decisions to, like, avoid the phone. Mm -hmm. But with 2020, everything shut down, right? And I was knowing that I was going to put out a book because 2020, aside from COVID, was a shit show for me, okay? And it was just like one terrible thing after the other. So I was like, in 2020, I was like, I'm writing a book and I'm going to put it out in the world and I'm going to just put all my business out there. I had already decided that before the COVID stuff. But my friend was like, who's going to buy this book? Nobody knows who you are outside of your children. Like, you're not on any media. Like, how are you going to get the word out there? And I was like, I don't know. Well, you know, make, make flyers. I don't know. Put a flyer in the library. You know, he's like, you don't even have an online portfolio of your work. Like, so he's basically saying, I need a, a media, a medium to put this book out. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really want like, I don't really want a social media. So I fought it. I fought it hard. But then him and my sister, who's like crazy, a TikToker, basically broke me down and said, if you want to write the book, you got a way to present the book. The way to present the book in this modern time is not with a flyer, but with social media. So I got the Instagram to promote the book. Literally, that was Instagram's only role in this scenario was to promote the book. I accidentally like met people and I was not expecting that because in my mind, the internet was just full of scary weirdos that are like typing death letters in their mama's basement. You know, like I didn't imagine real life people, like normal people like me just out there being nice, just for no reason, you know, just, saying, hey, I like your poem. Why? What do you want from me? Like, I wasn't expecting that. That was so new to me. And then, and then I knew that open mics like existed, but I had never been to one in real life because I've been momming all this time and I have no free time. So then I got like on my feed, it was like virtual open mic. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder like what you do there. Is it on your phone? Like, and I signed up not even knowing really how it was going to go. And um, it was through the De Poetry Lounge, which is based in LA. And they wrote me and they're like, oh, you're in. You have three minutes. Be ready at eight o'clock. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? You know, like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't even have, do I even have a three minute poem? I don't think so. You know, so I'm literally like in my room trying to figure out what I'm going to read. But that one experience was like so amazing because I joined my first live, right? And there's like all these comments and all these hearts and everybody's just so nice. Like I was not ready for the welcome, community, love, support, you know, like I was blown, I was literally blown away. Like my heart was pounding. I was not ready for it. I had not experienced that before. I was overwhelmingly surprised and happy. And so I started doing that on Tuesdays. And then 
I found other ones, you know, like, oh, we have open mic renegades on Wednesday and oh, this on Friday. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I'm like in my room, but I'm meeting all these different people, but it was so not intentional and it was so great. And I loved it. And then DPL closed for like a, a winter break or something. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, there's going to be no open mics for three weeks. And then me and this other poet were like, we're going to make our own platform. And that's how we just did that. We were like, just one night at like 10 o'clock at night, we were like, we're going to make our own thing and we're going to have open mics. And it was honestly, like it got, I think it got a lot of people through the confinement because it felt like you were going somewhere. And for me, those open mics were the only way I would talk to other grownups. You know, like those were the only adult interactions I was having because we were all at home all day besides the food store, you know? Um, I don't even remember what your question was, to be honest, but, um, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, it was beautiful and I so appreciate it. And it changed everything for me that 2020 Instagram open mic lockdown period of time yeah I think I feel like my experience was very similar it was like I decided to make a writing page and I was just like I just need to start sharing my poems out somewhere and then I don't remember how I came across it like because I'm I'm a very I like division so I have like four Instagram accounts so I have a personal one which I have very few people on. Uh, I have a writing one. I have a lifting page and I have my podcast page. And like, they're all different because I like them separated in their own little lane. And even like what I follow on them, I was just like, when I want to read things, I go to my writing one because then I can go and scroll through everybody's poetry. When I go want to watch people lift weights, I go to my, my lifting page because then I can look at that. I don't intermingle them because then my brain goes rawr. Um, but I feel like it was the same. I have no idea how the first one happened, but I know it was one of the ones you hosted and I was just like, oh my God, what is this open mic thing? I've <laughs> never been to a in-person open mic and I was just like signed up for it. And I wasn't like, I'm in Wyoming. So our idea of lockdown was, um, do what you want and yell at the government. Um, mm. So I was at work like 15 hours a day out in the public still every day um, while trying to help homeschool my kids. Mm. And, but luckily my mom was a teacher who had to teach from home. And so she took the brunt of that for me. Thank you, mom. <laughs> um, mm. But it was crazy because it was something I'd never thought of doing. And then, like you said, like, I went on there for the first time. Like I'm thinking, like, I remember in college I had to, when I had to present my first um, project in architecture, I forgot my name, my name. <laughs> like my TA had to remind me who I was. Cause I was just like, I can't do this. I can't talk to people. And like reading poetry on the internet and all of the support and all of the people who were just so welcoming. And it was like, oh my God, this is a, a community I did not know existed. And also, again, I live in Wyoming and we're not, not that there's not poets here, but we're not exactly known for softer, vulnerable things around here. And so there weren't open mics in town before COVID, like there weren't even things that got shut down. As far as I knew, they didn't even really exist, not for poets at least. Eventually, I, like one of the local bars in town was having an open mic night for musicians. And I was like, I'm gonna go to this. And yeah. people were like, well, it's for musicians. And I'm like, technically music is just poetry with music behind it so it's the same thing like it's all poetry and that was a whole different level of terrifying because then these are people that I could like run into somewhere in town it's not a big town so then I'm super duper terrified and then 
So like it took the the online open mic presence of that all of that acceptingness. And then I read a poem for the first time in front of a crowd and people clapped and wooed. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm not like, I'm not an outcast. I'm not like people are booing me. I like, it was thrilling and terrifying, but thrilling. And then it was also just like moving because most of my poetry is about a lot of hard shit that I have been through, that other people have also been through. And the response that I got from people was one of the things that made me go, oh, I have to share my story. Like it's, it's not even an option anymore. I have to, I have to find a way to be vulnerable because it is helping that random stranger over there connect with their own wounds and helping them heal. So like, I don't have an option. And I think that is one of like the most brilliant things about writing in general. Like it doesn't, I think everything is poetry, but the ability to connect with a hum, another human being through words is so powerful. And it's just like, it makes my heart want to explode. Yes. Yes. I understand that so much. And yes, I agree. It's like, it's like your soul gets fed. Mm -hmm. Like I read some, I'll read something and I'm like, oh my God, like I just fell in love. Like my soul is in love. Like I don't, I don't know how to explain like the swelling that I just, like you get warmed up, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you... Of the things you have written, what is what is a topic that you are most proud of yourself for writing about? Well, I don't know if proud is the right word, but before this whole adventure, I didn't know we were allowed to like talk about anxiety or like mental health issues or like the stuff we do when we're trying to be skinny. Like, I didn't know we were allowed to say that. Right. So one time I read a poem and it was kind of like, for me, it was tabooish or on the verge of being taboo because it was about my ex and our like super abusive, toxic relationship. And for me, like, I was like, Ooh, I don't know. This is gonna be offensive to some people, you know, like, I, I, sh I shouldn't share something like that. And then on that same platform, somebody else was talking about like their mental health issues. And I was like, oh, we're allowed to like talk about anxiety? Like where I come from, we don't talk about that. That's just something you keep quiet and you drink a glass of wine and you just pray it goes away, you know? Like, so for me, it was very, uh, weird and unnatural and surreal to like vocalize about these issues that you're supposed to pretend you don't have in an effort to like look like everything's fine you know like we were I I wasn't brought up that way we were you know you drink to stop from crying and you drink to stop from talking and you drink to stop from yelling and you just keep it all in your cheeks and that's just life right so like sharing about health and the mind and the things, the darkness that we can harbor in the brain. And like, that was a big deal for me because I knew my family might read this, you know, and my mom did read it and she was not happy the way that she was presented in the book, but like, and she's like, it didn't happen like that. And I was like, you're gaslighting me. Like, this is my truth. You don't get to tell me how my truth is. Of course, it's different than your truth because you were living a different experience while I was living my experience. So from this, I guess I've learned that we all are living our own individual experiences, even if we're in the same house. We're not 
perceiving and experiencing the same truth and like coming out and saying this is what was going on in my mind even if it's dark you know even if it's saying i didn't want to be alive when i was a teenager and that's not me trying to diss you that's not me trying to say you did a bad job that's just me saying this was what i was experiencing as a young person and my kids could read that right mm -hmm. so like again i don't know if it's like what i'm proud of coming out with but i am glad to pull off just even if it's just one little layer of stigma just one little one little tip off the taboo hat you know just i'm just trying to put my feet in the water of like real hard conversations because i want them to be able to talk to me right mm -hmm. so why would they talk to me if i'm keeping it all inside and if i'm not transparent and if i'm just this big sturdy wall and so that's i guess like mental health mental health is the biggest one because if you think about it like how we're thinking affects our behaviors affects what we say affects our thoughts you know so it's like all a spiral out from there and learning to say i have no clue what i'm doing and saying that out loud in front of other people as opposed to like pretending like i know what i'm doing and just taking cute little pictures in front of pumpkins like i have no clue what i'm doing but if you go on the internet other people make it look like they have all the life knowledge you know with their little or all have the same hats and the same dresses and the same boots at the same pumpkin patch. And it's like, dang, my life does not look like that. But coming out instead and saying, hey, my life does not look like that. I want to throw the pumpkins against the wall. I don't even eat pie. Like, this is what I'm actually dealing with. That's, that's my, that's my accomplishment, I guess. Yeah, I think that's, and I think that's what has been very helpful to the world is that there are there are more people who are accepting that they don't have to be perfect like if you look at the internet i don't know let's say five years ago it was like everybody everybody on the internet was like you just saw their highlight reels and you just saw the perfect posed pictures and like anyone who was an influencer was someone who everybody wanted to aspire to be whoever that person was, and we're seeing a lot more people who are like, life is messy. My house is messy. My kids are messy. Sometimes I'm not the best parent. Sometimes I'm a fantastic parent. Sometimes I take care of myself. Sometimes I'm lacking in self-care. Like, and I think like for me, sharing that, that human experience has helped more people find their own truth and believe their own truth because we have, I mean, I had, like you were talking about being in the same household and having different perspectives of it. I remember having a, a specific perspective growing up and that my older brother had an entirely different perspective of how our world worked and how he was treated and how we were treated and just all sorts of things. And as adults, we've been able to sit down and have those conversations and say, this is what it looked like to me. This is what it looked like to me. And knowing that the truth is somewhere in the middle of that, um, it's all just like, first of all, it's fascinating that, I mean, uh, there's like what, 8 billion people on this planet now. So there's, if there is one truth about anything in the world, it's, a summation of pieces of truth from 8 billion people. And so good Ooh, luck with that. that down, girl. <laughs> <laughs> good thing this is recorded. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, like, it's one of the things that scares me as a parent because like, I know when I'm treating my kids the best I can, but there are still some times where, like, one of my sons takes offense to how I say something. And I'm like, I don't want him 
to to think that I don't love him or that I'm not taking care of him or whatever it is, but I have that fear because I know, I mean, people say all the time, you know, your parents did the best with what they had. And they'll say that to, for pretty much any parent. I will put an asterisk next to that for a number of parents who I feel like didn't try very hard at all. <laughs> but that's different, a different story. Um, but it's like, it's as fear as a parent. Like you try to make a world for your kid, but you don't get to determine how they see the world. And I think that kind of goes back to one of the things you said in the very beginning of this talk, where you learn how you need to be because of the people that you take care of on a daily basis. So you take care of your kids, you take care of your students. So you learn who you need to be so you can be who they need, right? And it's, it's like this forever ebb and flow of like who you are versus not even versus who you are and who you are becoming constantly like in a dance with everything that you're learning with the people. And the more people you bring into your life, the more you have to do that because humans are complicated. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I'm rambling now. <laughs> Dude, that was a brilliant ramble. <laughs> I'm taking notes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, oh man, this world is just a beautiful place. It's chaos and sometimes it's a dumpster fire, but it is, it is a very beautiful place. That's my conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have... So you've come out with one book. Are you planning any, I mean, I know you have the hobby of planning books perpetually that you're going to write one day when you get that magical cup of coffee. Are there any books coming out soon? Soon yes. is relative. <laughs> yes. So I'm just about finished with my next book. It was supposed to be called Love in the Time of Corona, but I didn't know how quickly that name was going to catch like dumpster fire and it's freaking everywhere and i was trying to be super original i was thinking oh my gosh i'm so witty look at me with this clever title well it's already out there so i have another title that i've already found created <laughs> and it's called um stories we say for the soil and it's going to be broken into like four chapters and it's in the chapters are in Spanish, but it translates to earth, wind, fire, water, spirit. So there's like this earth theme throughout the whole thing. That's why stories we say for the soil. Um, and it's going to be like a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, and I don't want to say love poems because that sounds like so roses are red, violets are blue, but like really like soul deep adoration i don't know how to otherwise explain this when you have that like gushing desire to be close to someone mm -hmm. i have some of that and then i have on the opposite spectrum like you dumb fool you broke my little heart and then i have like what the hell is wrong with the world and how to be a woman in this man's world and how to live when you're stepping over unhoused people and just going to the restaurant like it's totally normal that there's people sleeping outside the window and how the heck you just order your meal like you don't notice there's some of that so yeah basically broken it and then we have what's water maybe water was love i'm not sure and then we have spirit which is like all the inner mind crap that I'm dealing with and like the clash that I experience in being part of more than one culture you know and this experience of trying to understand a culture that I'm now disconnected from kind of by life choice um so yeah it's it's 
cultural, generational, with some romance, with some fuck you, you hurt me, with some who am I and what's my purpose in the world, with a lot of like tree limb metaphors and like soil and roots. And that's my next project. And I'm almost done with that. I have like three more pieces that I'm trying to, I know what I want to say, but I'm trying to like say it in a way that feels true. Mm -hmm. And that's my whole job right now. So off of that, because I've, I've gotten this feeling based off of reading your stuff. Um, are you, are you more of a planner? So like you have a topic and you're like, I'm going to write about this topic. Or are you more of a, like, whatever comes into your mind, that's what you put on paper. And so like, which one is more? And then what are like the percentages? Because I feel like we're all a little bit of both, but so. I'm I'm definitely, definitely more of the random words and random sentences just come into my mind, usually in the shower or when I'm driving. Like at the time of my life when I don't have the availability or like ability to write it down, that's when these like weird sentences will just fluctuate in my mind. And I'm like, oh, I could, I could do something with that. And I'll kind of just be like freestyling in the shower of this idea around these words and then I'll come out and write it down and usually a group of these random ideas will share a theme sometimes mm -hmm. no um but sometimes like what I'm trying to do right now I know I want to write about my culture and my connection to this culture and I know I want to write that and I want to sit down and write it and I know I'm going to do it but I find that more challenging than just living my best life and words just come to me. Mm -hmm. And it might be about anything. Yeah. So I'm definitely more on the right whatever comes to mind by like 90% versus 10%. Yeah, I would, I feel like at least most poets that I that I really enjoy I feel like are the same kind of way um I and I don't dislike maybe that's not true I was gonna say I don't dislike any poetry I appreciate all poetry but don't consume all poetry because <laughs> like no I I, I like the stuff that always like does not resonate with me is like the like really haughty kind of like traditional poems that we all had to learn how to write in AP English in high school. And they just don't, they're just not as alive to me. But the ones were like, wow, that, like that poem right there that came from inside someone's heart and soul. And they just ripped it out of themselves and put it on paper. Like that's the stuff that's the stuff for me that just like lights me on fire. So. Yeah, I resonate with that for sure. For also um, when it's like something you had to learn and it, and I did this too, when I was first starting, I tried so hard to write poems in the way that poems were supposed to be written. And I like stuck by a rhyme scheme, but I just feel like it's hard to format and fit in I feel like it's hard to maintain like the meat and maintain like the, the rawness when mm -hmm. you're trying to serve it up this way, you know, and I'd rather have something raw and like bleeding than like, he was a bear. He did not care. He had no hair. Like, <laughs> da, 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 da. It's hard. Because he was, he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no but like some people can do it they can bring that to that yeah. rhyme scheme but you gotta be a special kind of mind because when I read that I'm usually like I want 
I want whatever you are feeling before you try to fit it into this format. Right. You know, I want your, I would love to see your rough draft. That's what I always think when I read those, I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what the rough draft was like, you know? So I appreciate I like that. that. I'm going to quote you on that. I wonder <laughs> what the rough draft was like. <laughs> okay. Um, so that we don't, don't get too carried away. We are going to move into our game. Okay. So three questions. They get, they're supposedly get deeper as we go. So question one, what are your three favorite drinks, non-alcoholic or alcoholic? But what are your three favorite things to drink? I think we had this conversation once. Um, I like tea. That's going to be my first one. I like all teas. I could sit here and list three teas, but I'll just say I like all tea. I like coffee. Um, and I like infused waters, like a lemon water, a cucumber water, a mint water. Oh, I am so happy. Um, yeah, I say those are, those are my top three. Mine are water, plain tap water with all of the bad I mean, I know our tap water is not that bad because I live where the springs from spring water actually come from, but water. Um, I consume spicy chai teas. So I prefer, I mean, I prefer like, I like my chai with milk, with soy milk because I'm allergic to dairy, but um spicy chai regular chai is fine but once i learned about spicy chai um regular chai is just too sweet so i like it with a little kick and the last one i'm gonna say is even though i can't drink it i still remember it so fondly i love chocolate milk <laughs> like okay i hate regular milk regular milk has always disgusted me but chocolate milk Oh my god, I I feel I like you can so do much. something with a little soy. I feel like you can do a chocolate soy. I know, but just it's like it's like dairy-free ice cream. It's good <laughs> enough. But it, after you've had real ice cream, it's it's not as good. Like and I mean, dairy-free ice cream has come a long way. I know because like as soon as it came out, I was like I got to try this and I was just like eh, no. So it's come a long way in the last like 10 years, but I feel like it, it would be, cause there's, there's like, they have a, a silk protein milk that's dark chocolate. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, but it's not chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, love me some oat milk ice cream, so I'm going to have to differ there. But um, I also don't eat dairy, so. Well, yeah, I just, I just miss real ice cream as well. <laughs> There's just, and like I said, it's like, I prefer, I think cashew has been, cashew ice cream has been my favorite because it's like the one that comes closest to that creamy texture. Um. Coconut is creamy, but it always has a coconut aftertaste. So if it's not a flavor that you want with coconut, eh. And then almond is just really thin. So obviously I'm a connoisseur of dairy-free <laughs> ice cream and I'm very, very judgmental about it. Um, but yeah, okay. Question two. If you could make one new rule that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? One new rule that everyone yeah. in the world has to follow. Don't be an asshole. Okay. <laughs> or, or be nice. Be kind. Nobody follows the golden rule of treating people how you want to be treated. So uh, I would put it meanly though. Like be nice motherfucker. Like, <laughs> Everybody in the Don't world. Be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to follow it. Just be unabashedly kind. Cause I feel like 
some people they claim to be walking in love but they're not so maybe you don't okay you don't understand what love means that's fine but we all know what kind means so be unequivocally un irrevocably kind that's that's my rule that's your rule um i feel like that's a much better rule than mine um i feel like my rule is going to be be honest Ooh. always 100 per my my general rule for my life and my relationships is 100 percent honesty no matter how much it hurts mm. um and if i could just make everybody live by that rule there'd be a lot less like gray area i would have to decipher um but it'd be very difficult being being honest all the time is not an easy task which I feel is why most people don't do it. Um, but maybe I should just talk to six-year-olds instead because. <laughs> All right. Our last one. What do you think will be your biggest challenge over the next year? My biggest challenge over the next year. Um, so I've been trying to finish college and get like a bachelor's and or something higher right now I have nothing except my charm to get me jobs <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest goal over the next year is to transfer into some kind of bachelor's program because I have enough units where I can do that soon um, but then I'm not a person who like does things i'm a person that like finds peace in anywhere and i'm like oh i'm happy i don't need that degree but no honey i really do like literally and physically and metaphorically so i am challenged to like find the program apply to the program make a follow-up with the counselor send in my transcript like all of these are doing things and i'm not a natural doing person um I'm a great idealist. I'm just not a great make it doneist. Um, so that's absolutely my challenge. And it's been my challenge for like the past several years. But this year in particular is the closest I've been to actually transferring somewhere and getting that paper. Well, I believe in you. So whatever that's <laughs> worth. <laughs> Thank you. You can do it. <laughs> Um, but no, I think, I think that's a great aspiration too, though, because that sometimes it is really hard to just do what needs doing. Like, yeah, doing stuff is hard. Adulting is hard. Um, I think being a kid is harder, so not, no desire to go back to that, but humaning, humaning is hard. Also, no. like, I'm interested in everything, right? Yeah. So if I take one humanities class, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm going to study humanities. I'm going to study worldly art and cultures. I'm going to study, and then I take a kinesiology. I'm going to be a personal trainer. I'm going to study kinesiology. And then I take journalism. I'm going to be a journalist, and I'm just going to major in journalism. If I even told you how many majors I've been, like, that's why it's taken me so long, because I, I go in on, like, journalism, ECE, kinesiology and nutrition. Like, I go in. Now I'm, I'm landing at English, because I feel like in my whole life path, English is always going to be with me mm -hmm. as this writer that I have cursed myself to be. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting with English, but... Everything I take, I want more. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. I want to take three more classes, even though they don't transfer and they're not serving me academically, but I like it. So, yeah. But that's also, I mean, that's a balance you have to find. You get to learn about the things you want to learn about. So you shouldn't yeah. not learn about the things you want to learn about just because it's not going to go towards the degree. All right. Know. I'm in the same boat as you. I, when I graduated college, I had 
like a hundred and fifty credits more than was required. And like literally I was getting letters from the college. They were like, you either have to double major or you have to graduate. And I was like, but I just want to learn more stuff. And they were like, no, <laughs> like give us more money or leave. And I was just like, fine. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. Okay. Um, my biggest challenge is <laughs> along the same lines. Um, I have numerous business ventures that I have started because I can't choose one thing. And so one thing is, so the big challenge is not all of the little pieces. The big challenge over the next year is finding a way to find the balance for all of those little pieces. So my podcast that we're sitting on right now, like actually getting that to the level that I want it to and the reach, um, having my strength and conditioning business fully up and running and having the amount of clients and all of that that I want, getting my next book out and finding time to write regularly because I too have a list of books that I'm going to write and have little pieces written of um but finding so my challenge this year is finding the balance in all of those things plus being a mom plus being a daughter and a sister and a, a girlfriend and figuring out how all of these things smush together in a hopefully like palatable manner um without becoming a workaholic again <laughs> that's that's the key like I don't want to work myself dead doing the things I enjoy because I'd still be dead yes <laughs> all right so before we close this down if there's one thing that you want the world to know to hear what is it? There's one thing I want the world to know to hear. Um, well, my mantra lately that I've been like saying with me and the kids is that we've survived all of our bad days up until now. And sometimes, sometimes we can get weighed by what we're not doing. Right, mm -hmm. this degree I don't have, and the book I haven't written, and this and this and this. I want to take a trip, but I can't because I'm poor and I have no money. So, one thing to know is that I guess we're all a mess, right? Mm -hmm. But we've made it this far, and if tomorrow is as messy as today, at least like we're prepared for it. I don't know. I I guess I guess I am coming to the conclusion in my life that we have no control, right? We have no control over anything. And that's scary because we want control. We want to know what's tomorrow. We want to know what's the future, but we freaking have no control over any of it in the end of the day. And the fear of not having control can make you crazy. So if there's something I want people to know, it's that you're not crazy. It's just that like the earth is literally spinning and then gravity's holding us here and we should be like blobs in space or clouds. And I really think some of us like remember being stars and they're like, what the hell is this body? It's so weird. So the thing I want everybody to know, you have no control. The world is spinning. Everything changes every day. Everything you know today might be wrong tomorrow. And you have no control over it. And you're not crazy. Because a crazy person would try to make that all make sense, right? And I feel like we make ourselves crazy trying to conceptualize this monstrosity of a rock that we're standing on. Like, that doesn't even make sense. That there's, like, rocks and soil. Yeah. So 
we have no control. You're not crazy. Tomorrow's going to come. It might be a shit show. We have no control over it. Write it down and hope to get a bestseller. That's it. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, also, that reminded me of one of my favorite quotes since I was a kid, which is, insanity is a perfect, perfectly reasonable adaptation to an insane world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. that's like what what my brain brought up when you were saying all those things. I was like, yeah, no, totally reasonable. And we're not crazy. Exactly. Well, Ollie, thank you very much for joining me on the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Thank you.